All right, guys, welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. And this is week two of my um, live recordings that I did at the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo in Salt Lake City. Um, you know, if you didn't listen last week, you may want to go back and check it out, although you don't need to. But basically, um, for the next few weeks, I'm going to be doing episodes um, that I recorded with industry folks live at the expo. Um, had a bunch of really good conversations. Um, you know, each conversation's a little shorter than normal podcasts, you know, ranging anywhere from like 15 up to like 30 or 40 minutes. Um, and, uh, it was a great time to catch up with some, uh, some friends and a good opportunity to, um, do some podcasting with some guys in person that I, you know, normally don't get to do, uh, everything I do normally is remotely. So if you want to go to YouTube and check this out, um, you know, these are also video versions um, but, uh, this week I have a great conversation at the expo with Brian Barney of Eastman's Elevated and, uh, Jake from First Form. Um, uh, if you're not familiar with First Form, it's a nutrition and supplements and kind of fitness company. Um, and, uh, Jake actually spearheaded, um, kind of a new division, um, fairly new called, uh, First Form Outdoors. So he's done some podcasts with, with Dan Staten. Um, and so, uh, great company, great guy, interesting story. So if you think you'll enjoy that. And then of course, it's always, always great to talk to Brian Barney, just, um, super knowledgeable dude, very inspirational and, uh, great to talk to him again in person. So hope you guys enjoy this episode and, uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Hey guys, I'm here with Brian Barney at the Expo. Um, Brian, you were one of my first guests on the podcast when I was first starting off two years ago. And I was really pleasantly surprised and humbled by how cool like guys like you and you know even Lampers and um, just the whole community has been about just being generous with their time. Like, when yeah, I'm just starting out, you know, so appreciate you, dude. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I remember it was a really good episode. You almost talked me into a Kodiak uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> a black-tailed deer hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't commit to hey, that. dude, I told you to have it on that hunt, right? Yeah. 107-inch. Yeah. My buddies. Yeah, monster. Yeah, but that was maybe some other time yeah. we can do another hunt or something. Well, good for you. Yeah, it's... um. It's wild, uh, this, this podcast world or the outdoor community, uh, like it, it takes a lot of work and a lot yeah. of dedication. You've been on the treadmill now for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but you've really worked hard at your podcast and yeah. your videoing. Uh, and it's those guys that put in that hard work and that effort that make something sure. out of it. And you're definitely one of those guys. You have a premium product and oh, uh, put a lot of time and effort into it. So yeah, man, it's my pleasure. I appreciate um, it, man. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, um, I don't want to say it's a grind because it's not. It's fun. I enjoy it. You know, like having these conversations. Because that's when I started off. I was like, even if like ten people listen, I'll still be able to talk to some really cool guys, learn. You know, and I've just learned so much in the past two or three years 
and network so much through the podcast, you know, and just talking to guys like you and stuff, you know? It's such a great format, isn't it? When you can sit down and have the in-depth conversation. Yeah. And a lot of the work comes from scheduling and then sure. producing, but the conversations are fun. And yeah. we, we grow and learn from the conversations. And it's yeah. like the best way to improve at Western hunting is to be a sponge or to be a student of the game. Totally. Talk to other guys that are consistently successful yeah. and then be able to implement, you know, mm -hmm. what they say or what they talk about, implement that into your own hunt. So yeah. it's just a great way to learn. But the, those in-depth conversations, I don't even think I have those with guys like uh, uh, when you have dinner or something because you're just so dialed in on a podcast to the person yeah. that you're talking to and to that conversation right. that you really get into subject matter that you wouldn't get anywhere else. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been cool just like networking and, and also, I mean, podcasts where so I'm from Virginia, right? So, I mean, there is a fairly large learning curve. Not that it can't be done, but um, there's a whole lot of skills that go into mountain hunting and backcountry hunting that, I mean, there's not really guys to talk to about it where I'm from, you know? I mean, there's, you can't go anywhere and try on a pack or, like, look at booze. I don't know a single person that can out call, like, where I live. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's just like... Oh. So being able to talk to the guy and then being blessed with opportunities to actually go and film and hunt with and observe, um, like Dan Staten gave me my first kind of shot, had me out to go film for him and um, just following that dude around for nine days with the camera, just learned so much, you know? Well, you, you might be the most improved Western hunter. Like your <laughs> growth is so uh, exponential. Like oh, you, you just uh, have learned so much in a short amount of time by immersing yourself into it. But yeah. I really think that that's the key is just to be passionate about something. Yeah. It's to find something that you truly love and then that's all you think about. You, you go home at night, you think about map research, hunts yeah. you're gonna go on, uh, you think of your tactics, how you can get better and then constantly working at these skill sets and, and you learn fairly quick by interviewing consistently successful guys mm -hmm. that it's not about getting lucky it's not about drawing know, some yeah. tag it's about working at your skill sets working at your knowledge and showing up to these hunts and to these units and being undeniable by your skill set yep. it's it's not about getting lucky it's about creating said luck and then capitalizing on it yeah being prepared you know having your gear fitness everything like that you that you talk about a lot dialed and then um, you know, going in and putting in the days, you yes. know, and that's that's where I'm blessed to be able to to do this the way I am. Not everybody has this opportunity, but um, you know, guys like you, I'm not saying it's any easier. But if you live in the West, you can kind of jump in your truck and do a weekend hunt if you want. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more production coming from out east, but if you're able to put in, you know, ten days, and you and you just tell yourself going in, okay, this is going to be a tough hunt. But I'm not going to give up for 10 days. And usually if you just keep working and are able to give it that time, it usually turns out. It may not be like 200-ish buck, but like you'll usually be able to fill a tag if you give it the time it really deserves and keep a positive attitude. Just keep working. Dude, no? spot on. Yeah, like experience is the best teacher. Like there's all this information out there that you can gain from podcasts and uh, reading and from film and from hanging out with these guys, but it doesn't do you any good unless you can implement it in right. your own game plan. And you're right, the, like the only reason I'm good at bow hunting is I've spent so much time doing yeah. it. 
you know, ten thousand uh, hour rule or whatever. Yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Like experience is the best teacher to have to to problem solve. And even though we make really good plans and try to come into these hunts prepared, it's always different than we imagine, and it's always it's usually tougher than we imagine oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. And so you just have to get out there and go experience. You have to take a chance yeah. on these tags and on these hunts, and and you're not going to be successful one hundred percent of the time. And you're going to strike out when you're a public land do-it-yourself guy. Mm -hmm. Like I have to take chances on units in other states and sure I've got my process of dialing down these units yeah. and these hunts to where I have a pretty good success rate but I still show up and strike out maybe I didn't get the weather uh, maybe the animals have, have drastically taken a downturn mm -hmm. you know stuff can can be different when I go there and so it is about taking these chances gaining this experience and even if it is a really tough hunt grinding it out yeah. and giving those 10 days that you yeah. uh, that you've set aside to go do this hunt but but that's how you really learn it's yeah. spending the time doing it so and on to that note um, this is an interesting like dynamic I've been thinking about lately did you learn a lot of your skills from solo hunting or did you have a mentor or solo both? hunting okay yep I didn't have any like any mentors that I mean okay. I I had um, uh, you know my dad that took me how to hunt that taught me the basics uh -huh. um, you know I my family hunted but uh, for me to really progress, I just had the passion for it and dove yep. into it. So I am really self-taught. Of course, I would read all the books I could sure. read, all the books that were out. I would watch videos. I would try to gather information from other places, but I didn't have a mentor that took me under okay. his wing. It was pretty much self-taught. And I think that is probably one reason why you're so deadly, too, because um, I'm, and it, you, know, you can learn from mentors, too, but I've just been kind of dissecting different hunts and stuff I've done. There's a tendency in humans, I think it's a human thing, when you're doing something with someone who's older or more experienced, you just kind of default a little bit to what they say, what they do, as opposed to kind of going with your gut instincts. And that's kind of, I'm not gonna say bit me in the butt, but it's limited my opportunities for growth in some ways. Not that I'm detracting from learning from guys, but I feel like you learn so much from doing solo mm -hmm. and figuring it out yourself, you know, going with your own gut instinct and then learning, did that work? Did it not work? What would I do here? Because there's a tendency to, when you're with an older guy, a more experienced guy, to kind of be like, well, I'll just do what he says because he knows what he's doing. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic, but, you know, and solo hunting can be scary or lonely, but um, I don't know, I think you learn a ton doing that. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way, yeah. but you're right. Uh, you know, I notice it like on the job site, like in construction. Mm -hmm. When I'm there, uh, I run the crew and I run the guys and I tell them what to do and where to go and how to do it. Yeah. I'm running the whole job site, but my guys aren't learning that way. So right. where they really learn is when I have them on a job site by themselves and give them a task and they have to figure exactly, it out yeah. on their own. Right. So you're right, I think you can learn from these mentors, but it, it can also be a crutch. And, and then when you get out on your own, you don't know quite how to figure it out on your own. Exactly. Make those decisions and you're so, so used to being like oh well he'll tell me where to go yeah I hadn't thought about it that oh, yeah. way but when you're by yourself uh, you do you make decisions you have to make these decisions for yourself you right. know everywhere you go and everything you do yeah yeah and I, I you know I've done some soul hunting I do enjoy hunting with other guys but it's been interesting because um, a couple of my hunts this year I've been with just me and a cameraman and some of them have been really good hunters that I've like 
they've really helped me out. And some of them have like never, like one, uh, you know, in Wyoming, the kid that was helping me film had never been on a Western hunt. So, um, and then I spent three days, you know, at the end of this last trip, kind of looking for some Audad by myself. But yeah, you just, um, it's a different level. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but when I'm with, like last year I was hunting with Mark Livesey and we were bear hunting, and I just found myself, when I was kind of dissecting the hunt afterwards, I was like, you know, I probably could have just kind of done my own thing a little bit here and probably killed a bear instead of maybe taking the back seat every time. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. Yeah, and I, I think, um, you know, I think you can change that dynamic as well. It's so fun uh, to hunt solo, but it's also fun to really share these hunts with, with other hunters. Yeah. And I, I can see why you default to Mark because he's got such a yeah. great knowledge base right. for hunting bears. He's been doing it so long. But, but I do think, you know, even a cameraman that's a, a first-time guy is I like to ask their advice. Like, when we're hunting, it's a team. Yeah. And so if we were to go on a hunt together, there would be discussions about the decision we'd make and yeah, yeah. input from you. You know, yeah. even if it's your first year, even if you don't have the experience, we have these critical thinking minds sure. where we can look and process and when you talk through them, Maybe sometimes from a different perspective, different perspective yeah. right, to make a different decision. So uh, it, it's, it's so much problem-solving, creating thinking yeah. that I think um, uh, you know now you're getting to the place where you have quite a bit of experience you've been on all these Building different some. hunts you've hunted with all these different guys yeah. where I think you have good input where now uh, need to be an equal in the team yeah. when you're hunting with Mark to get your input to have these discussions yeah. and That's, maybe you default to his decision but you need to know why that you're making that decision yeah. or voice your concern and he goes well this is the reason we're not going up after yeah. that bear the thermals are going this way right. like it's it's not a smart move right now. We'll be better to get them in the afternoon. And then you can think and go, oh, okay, that's why we're making this sure. decision. So you can understand the process of that yeah. a little bit better. No, that's good. That's it's that's good. You're kind of helping me realize too, like, because when you kind of establish a pattern of, in my brain, okay, I'm the least experienced guy here. Like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. But then you're right. Like now, you know, I've been doing it for three or four years. Of course, that's in the grand scheme of thing, not much, but I have learned a lot in that time is kind of just realize, okay, I do have instincts that might, I need to speak up. You yes. Know? So um, that's that's a good kind of challenge for me too. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting now, kind of launching into this new project where I'm gonna be doing more hunts where there isn't a more experienced guy there to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit intimidating, but it's also, that's part of, that's the, the fun of it. That's the quest, mm-hmm. right? It to is. To like get better and stuff. And I think, I think it was it was you actually on a different podcast that said to start off with the antelope hunt, you know? That's kind of a good way to get into it. And uh, so that's what I always recommend to guys is like, if you want to start Western hunting, do an antelope hunt. You can get a tag pretty easy, target rich environment. You know, you've got not huge mountains everywhere. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to this season, kind of trying to put my, you know, take charge of it a little more. Yeah, you're going to step in the leadership role. And um, it's tough when you're first a leader, especially like even, you know, I'm used to hunting solo or making decisions for myself or a, a big hiker if I punish myself or don't kill that deer, it's okay, it's just me. Right. But when you have a team of guys or other guys that are going with you, yeah. you're making a decision for the team. And yeah. so, uh, you know, now's your chance to be a leader. Ultimately, the decision will come down to you. Yeah. But taking input from these younger guys too and really making the best decision you can make. And it's that, sure. that critical thinking. It's why we love 
Western hunting is there yeah. is no, it's not black and white. It's a gray area where you have to trust your instincts, mess, make the best decision you can, and it may work out or it may not, yeah. learn from it, but you just don't want to get in this pattern of second guessing yourself all yeah. the time and not knowing what the right move is. You For need sure. to see a scenario, think about it, assess yeah. it, and then make a decision and stick to that decision, right or wrong. And yeah. if it doesn't go right, and not that you can't uh, adapt along the way, maybe you're on a stock and you get over there and the rock you thought you were going to shoot from, the hill drops off too fast and you can't see. Yeah. Now you need to come to the side and approach it that way. Like right. you, you do adapt during a stock, but you, you also need to believe in your decisions and believe in yourself and yeah. your instincts. Yeah. And even if you are with a more experienced guy, you know, you can, even if they are making the decision ultimately, you could still be like, okay, what would I do here if it were just me? You know, and kind of learn that way. It's tough to go along with a decision that you don't agree with. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, it's like a impossible for yeah. me. It's like we make a plan. Well, you're so used to kind and, of doing it on your own. Yeah, too, probably. yeah. I mean, not that my cameraman or the guy that I'm hunting with can't talk me into a different decision, yeah. but I don't want to be part of a bad plan. So right. if he comes up with a plan that's too aggressive or I don't think it's going to work out, yeah. you know, it's almost like, well, you can go ahead and do this. This is why I think it's not going to work or why it's low percentage, and and try to use like this uh, to try to use that critical thinking of. Uh, why it is a high percentage play or why it's not a high percentage play yeah. and, and then try to come up with the best plan moving For forward. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's cool, man. Well, um, so what kind of, uh, you are telling me a little bit about yesterday, but what, what kind of adventures you got on the docket for this year? And I got some big ones. <laughs> um, I just finished that personal house. I had a great yeah. season last season as I always make time for hunting season. Uh, but it was a little bit more stress and pressure on my time. And, yeah. um, so uh, next year I'm going big. Uh, so I, I've got a trip to Australia in oh, April cool. with a couple buddies what, out there. Water buffalo or something? Or? No, no. Um, out there uh, hunting sambar, which is a really tough deer to kill that okay. live in some wild country fallow deer. Yeah. Which are uh, their spring is uh, or our spring is their fall. Isn't it archery only in Australia or something? Or it's difficult to get rifles? I think it's or? difficult to yeah. get rifles. So that's that's you. That's your thing. Yeah, that's no problem <laughs> yeah. for me. Yeah. So uh, uh, we'll hunt sambar fallow deer which i love to hunt i've hunted them in new zealand but okay. it's their rut so oh, it'll nice. be during the croak uh that's which, what they call it the croak yeah <laughs> they make they rut totally different than any animal i've hunted like yeah. the the bucks don't chase the hinds or the uh stags don't chase the hinds they make a rut pad so 100 yards they scrape every tree they uh -huh. tear up the ground they stomp it up and then they croak and then the hinds come into that rut pad and then that's where they breed cool. them and so uh like really fun to hunt yeah and they yeah right exactly yeah that's that's not my experience chasing ladies yeah i don't have a rut pad yeah uh, but uh, they have wild horns and palmation. Oh, yeah, they can yeah. have 20 points per side, yeah. uh, about you know, the size they, of a mule. Back in the day, they released fallow deer in Kentucky, in the land between the lakes. Wow. Did you know that? No. Okay. Sidebar, but there was a snow white fallow deer that was in this herd that Fred Bear actually came to Kentucky to hunt. My family's from Kentucky. My great uncle shot that snow white fallow deer with a recurve bow in the 70s. What? Yeah, yeah. That is I wild. I got a picture I'll have to show you. Oh, that is yeah. wild. Yeah. yeah it's, anyway. Well, it's one of the things with fallow deer, too, is their uh, their hides can be different. So you can okay. see them all the way from white 
to black okay, yeah. to this spotted like white, an axis the rack. They can have all these different coats on them. Yeah. Uh, they're about the size of a mule deer and they live in similar habitat. Like yeah. uh, it's weird in the sun southern hemisphere or different island. Like they have stuff that looks like our sagebrush, but it's but not it's exactly yeah, yeah, it's just different. But they live in that kind of rolling okay. country. So for me, a guy that loves to hunt mule deer, yeah. uh, fallow deer are right up my is alley. It, is it kind of a mountainy type area you're hunting in? Or? Yeah, mountainous okay. terrain and then um, a red deer, the closest relative to our elk. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, during it's during their rut down there, during their the roar. roar. Yeah. In Australia? Yeah. Dang, I so I get to hunt them as well. Yep. They have you have been to deer. New Zealand before? Yep. Okay. Yep. So I'm red deer are weird. Sometime. Okay. So um, I'm, I'm just going to... Uh, uh, break the truth of them. Anyone that you see with points going everywhere is a high fence. Yes, I've and heard there's that. so many of these operations uh, in New Zealand that try to talk you into this, and they might say it's low fence. But everyone that you see with points going everywhere that's wild with palmation is grown in a high fence yeah, operation. Nothing I'm interested in doing. Yeah. But they do have wild ones that right. live in this wild country out there. Now, a true a wild red deer looks like about a five point elk but then they get crown points on top. Okay. So he might be like a seven by seven with crown points, but he looks like about the size of our five point elk. Okay. So I'm really interested in hunting those, but no interest to hunt those sure, yeah. ones that are in is a fence or anything similar? like that. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. It's okay. uh, uh, They're a little bit smaller than elk. They okay. run about five, 600 pounds, okay. uh, but they have wild ones in Australia and in New Zealand. Yeah. And I actually had the chance to hunt them in New Zealand, uh, but we only had like a day or two where we went way up this drainage yeah. in the southern alps did you and, bow hunt uh, like tar and chamois and stuff yeah did you get one yeah yeah i, I arrowed uh, a couple tar on the trip wow. uh really nice bowl they I mean, live an epic trip even with a rifle i mean oh dude they live in the tree. wildest yeah. country in those southern alps it is sketchy That's dangerous crampons and uh yeah wild weather and yeah it was i was uh, talking one to Rennie and he was saying like the only time he's ever been scared was in new zealand doing yeah that. Yeah, uh, Remy knows that country like the back of his hand. I actually hunted with Remy down oh, you did? there. Yeah, oh, nice. yeah. It cool. was a lot of his spots. He spent years oh, learning. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was able to go with him and share a camp he seems out to there. Be the New Zealand guy, I guess. He is. Yeah. He has spent years learning it. He's got uh, his own rig out there, his own storage unit. Right. Keeps all his hunting rig. Uh, okay, so that's gig what out I want to do out here. Yep. When, Lord willing, my show is successful. I want to get like a storage unit in SLC, keep a rig here, because SLC is like good airport, and it's like pretty central. Yep. Just flying to SLC with my camera, just drive. My, my buddy Rob, that's what he did from Hawaii. Yeah, he um, uh, brought out his um, Land Cruiser from Hawaii. That's just his sweet rig that I yeah. used to drive on Hawaii, but oh, nice. uh, yeah, he barged it out here keeps that in a storage unit keeps all his hunting gear in there and so uh now he just shows up and hops in his rig and goes hunting and so yeah i met him in idaho this year for a hunt and um, had all his own gear he's all set up right those guys love to come hunt the states they just they've fallen in love with the adventure of it like we have and so every year they're trying to draw a tag trying to come out here i want to do that hawaii hunt too anyway got off some rabbit trails so you're in australia yes then what else australia um I have got a BC goat tag in, in August. Uh, cool. It's in this wild mountain range, and so you have to be guided in BC right. to hunt goats. Uh, but I have a buddy up there that's a guide for an outfitter. So we've been working on this deal for a few years, able to buy a tag from the outfitter, and then he's able to be my guide. So we pretty much get to go up and be two buddies up yeah. there. And um, he has a goat tag, and I have a goat oh, tag awesome. for a billy in this just wild extreme country in August to try to arrow two billies. 
and then after we arrow those, he's actually got a stone sheep tag. Oh. Yeah, so I don't have a stone sheep tag, but I get to go yeah. on the hunt, yeah, yeah. go film for him, go take part in it, and I may never be able to hunt a stone sheep. I mean, don't say never, who knows, but it's yeah. it's out of my tax bracket, and I look for blue-collar <laughs> opportunities, yeah. you know, which I guess hunting BC for a goat isn't really a blue-collar opportunity, yeah, but, but the you know through my buddy, I'm able to get this, uh, yeah. you know, get this deal that I can afford to go do it, but I get to go hunt stone sheep, man. Yeah. It's going to be wild. Yeah, it's going to be sick. Yeah. And then, dude, just being being in that country in August, like, I did, I've did. i done two trips to Alaska, both in August. It's such a cool time. Like, everything's just green and lush, and, like, it's not, like, bone-chillingly cold yet. It's a really cool time to be I can't there. wait. I've Magical. never been to BC. Yeah, so I, I, I can't wait to go there and try that out. And it's going um, sweet, man. I'm, I'm feeling lucky. I feel like I got some good karma out in the world, <laughs> and so, like, I, I might just draw some good tags, and uh, yeah. if I don't, I've got all my Montana tags. I picked up... You know, I've got a late season mule deer tag. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna draw a general season Utah tag. It's been a few years, I have the points to draw it. So okay. I think I'll be hunting mule deer here. So I'm nice. just gonna fill my season with a bunch of wild adventures. So yeah, those are those are kind of the big ones that That's I have set too. in stone and then um, hopefully draw some good tags. Yeah, I should draw my Montana general elk tag this year. Hoping. That's such good hunting up yeah. there, it's so fun. Cool. Yeah, so many different mountain ranges, so many places to explore. Mm -hmm. Such a big state. We have such quality, high numbers. It's a yeah. great state to hunt elk in. Yeah, you'll have a blast. You gonna hunt them with a bow or with a rifle or um, both? To be honest, right now my archery setup is not quite where I want it to be. I mean, I, it's it's an older bow. It's still a good bow, but it's an older bow and um, needs a little updating. Um, and I don't know. Um, so. Right now the plan is rifle, but I'm not opposed to doing archery. Sorry um, to take our attention away. We no, saw a okay. gun drop over there. It's like, oh no, <laughs> that's an expensive gun. No, I mean, but yeah, when, I don't blame you. When you're talking about, you know, we're talking about the the huge learning curve. Yeah, I'm still very much learning. Um, I don't even know how to like elk call yet. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to edit and plan an entire show and produce a show by myself. All these things kind of stacked against me. I'm kind of a little bit holding off for archery. Not that I'm scared of it, but like I just feel like if I can do anything to kind of improve my odds a little bit in the beginning, why not? You know what I mean? It makes sense. Yeah, yeah it, it does. It gives you a higher chance at success, sure. you know, but your tag is good for bow and for yeah. rifle, and anything you learn with bow and during the rut can be great experience, yeah. and you don't have any more money into a tag. Now, for in your case, it's flights, it's getting out here, right. but boy, if you could work it out, you could almost have two weeks of hunting elk for the same tag price in there. Yeah. You know, so and they're come so- for archery season, then come back, but I'll yes, get done. Yes, yeah. and they're so spread out so far from each other yeah. that you could you could get uh, uh, twice the bang for your buck for the same tag. The yeah, yeah, I think so. I did find a couple units where you can you can uh, rifle hunt in September, but they're tough units. They're tough, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, backpacking units and elk are heavy. Yeah, you definitely could do something like that. But um, yeah, and I think it'd be good experience for you that you can use in the future. And yeah. um, even if you do or don't get them done, you can also use that for scouting for your rifle season. Because sure. the difference in Montana is um, uh, rifle season's tough. 
it is high pressure. There's a lot of guys with high-powered rifles that can shoot that are going for branch antler bulls. Now, there's opportunity there, and you work hard. You can definitely kill yeah. a bull, and you find a bull, you got a better chance of killing them. But archery season, it just seems like there's more opportunity. You're into the elk. You spend more time hunting them and being in them. You get such a quality experience to where then in rifle season, you spend all your time looking for it. Gotcha. So you spend days where you're covering country where you might not see an elk to be able to find that bull. So it's a different experience. Both of them are cool. And, and the neat part is, is with that Montana tag, you could take take part in both of them. Okay, well, you're, you're inspiring me a little bit. I might have to just grab the bell and just do it. Nice, dude. I like it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, but, I like um, it. Yeah, man. Well, I don't want to take up any more time. This has been great. Appreciate your time again. And Brian is going to be on the TV show, first season, mm -hmm. right? That's right, man. All right, cool. Yeah. Cool. All right, dude. Good yeah, talking thanks to so much. You. Yeah, yeah, good man. talking to you. I'm here with Jake from First Form, which is your actual name on Instagram. It, it is. Yeah. Okay, so you got to forgive me because I just met you yesterday. Yeah. And I don't know anything about First Form or you. Okay. So yeah. it's a good place to start. Yeah, it is a good place. Uh, yeah. So tell me about yourself and First Form. Yeah, 100%. That, so my like, full name, Jake Arvold. Okay. Uh, I've been with uh, really First Form now. I'm going to be going, getting on close to 10 years okay. here. So. Originally, I'm from Wisconsin. Grew okay. up on a farm, middle of nowhere. The like actual farm. Like, yep. So Dairy. we we raised beef cattle, pigs, chickens. Ended up a few years into that, uh, we ended up actually going through and switching completely over to elk. So we had an elk farm That's up cool. there, and then from there we turned that into the Elk Rock Ranch up in northern is that, Wisconsin. Is that for meat or for like genetics so and stuff? In, yeah. Or? So the beginning, before like all the CWD stuff had ultimately hit through yeah. really the entire Midwest section. Um, it came down to where uh, it was it was very based around genetics through there so we had a lot of different breeding pieces so like to it. high fence type places are like trying to breed huge bulls so you like sell it, the well that you, kind of stuff like with whitetail farms a lot of it came down to just like the antler side of things yeah. and like how you know genetics of going through and doing the velvet um, you know individuals would go through and actually use the velvet uh, whether they made you know did different supplements things of yeah, that like nature. Chinese supplements yeah they supplements have in the the, the um, velvet piece virility uh yeah right <laughs> fertility <laughs> um but we did like it was a whole mixture of different things just yeah, like yeah. someone to go through and breed you know beef cattle okay in that gotcha. sense, right uh it started out with just like we had probably 25 head had a herd bull and a handful of cows and then it just built out yeah, yeah. continuously from there but did you hunt growing up like yeah. white tails and stuff so that's that's where the ranch and everything ultimately started was uh, dad did elk hunting in college, so mm -hmm. he would go out Hold with on, buddies. I'm gonna put this yeah. here, so to deter people from walking. Yeah, you're good. The um, so dad ultimately grew up going to Colorado elk hunting with grandpa and everything, and I was just very fortunate and blessed to grow up in the family that I, I grew up in. To where he would go out do over the counter yep. uh, around Pagosa Springs. Wolf so you grew up seeing him bring an elk back in the Doing stories. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then uh, from there, it was always a joke of like, why would you go go to <laughs> why would you go to uh, Colorado if you got him in your backyard, right? And but it comes wild. down to the experience. It yeah, comes down to the exactly. experience piece to it. But we would uh, were they mule deer hunters primarily or elk or both? Elk. Okay. Straight elk, the whole way growing up. Elk and then whitetail yeah. in Wisconsin. That. But um, it, it's funny, I'd watch dad go out elk hunting, go with buddies year and year. And I remember being, it was around seven years old, I'd be like, hey, can I come come to Colorado? He's like, no, not old enough. And then eight years, eight years old came um, and I was like, dad, 
what do I have to do to go to Colorado with you? Yeah. And he's like, well, you gotta prove that you can handle yourself, right? And he's like, he's like you really wanna go? I'm like, yes, what do I need to do? And he made, so he essentially set it all up to where it's like I had to be able to go through and handle myself, prove myself to be able to go out in the okay. country. Cause we'd pack, we'd take mules out, pack way back up in, um, you know, anywhere from eight to 10 miles in. And from that point, uh, he had me saddle up asbestos, which is our big white mule, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> all names, he's the big gentle giant. Uh-huh. Uh, but at eight years old, I saddled him up, packed him up with everything that I would take out to Colorado. Uh, we had about 418 acres that we farmed corn, soybeans, and then of course had the elk and that there. And um, I rode asbestos back across to the back 40, called it the big pines, uh-huh. these ancient pine trees in the back corner. And, of your farm? Um, yep, of the farm. And I had to go all all out by myself, camp overnight, set up tent, and come back in the morning. Eight years old. Eight years old. That's how he tested you. Yep, test me. So sick. literally, dude, I went. Dude, my went son's out. eight. That would never happen. Yeah, that's why it's crazy. Like, I look back at it, and I just remember being like, I'm going to do this, yeah. right? Your kids are different, too. I mean, it, but my son it, would not do that. Yeah, and my, my dad growing up on the farm too like whether it was running equipment like there yeah. were a lot of things that i was put in yeah put being a farm boy you kind of yeah. grew up a little yeah younger you figure it out yeah, yeah. real quick like how can we help be productive on the farm sure, kind sure. of thing so but in that so time you passed the test so well i went out and i camped set up tent camped overnight and I can't believe your mom was cool with that no she wasn't <laughs> she, she definitely was not so this is i found this all out afterwards is we, after that tent was set up, horrible lightning, thunder, rainstorm, torrential downpour. Um, tent got collapsed on me, filled with water. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm, like, you're I'm, eight not, years I'm old. not going in. I'm not going in. I need <laughs> wow. to prove myself. It was about three in the morning that um, I went through and I was like, I was so beat up, just mad. Like, I can't believe this happened. So, asbestos is just sitting out there, yeah. standing in the rain. And I go through in this like walk of shame kind of way, right? Just literally saddle them back up and it's pitch black. I got my headlamp on and everything and ride back across it's about a mile, mile and a half back to the house and come in just really upset. Like I'm of course crying yeah. at that time. Like, I'm sorry, dad, like just let oh, me do man. it again. Like I can do, I know I can do it, right? He's like, well, you made it out there. Stayed it out and you got yourself out of the situation. You can go to Colorado. That's so awesome. Too. I was like, went from a very low point <laughs> oh, to a very dude. high point. That's really such quick. a great story. So oh, yeah, that's it amazing. was. But that's how like got it went from the background of the farm piece, got tied into the outdoors. And my love was always like first love was always hunting. Like loved it. I had our entire property and everything just completely zoned off, knowing where where the deer deer were, water yeah. holes, trails, all that stuff. And um, from that point. Uh, you jump forward, kind of getting into the, the first form pieces. Like I, I went to college, didn't have like I, school was not for me in that aspect okay. of things, right? I was in school, like went from high school, homeschooled all the way up, went to college, and found a podcast, the MSCO Project, which is Andy Frisella's podcast. Okay. Uh, very much leadership, entrepreneurship uh, side of things, and I was listening to it while I was in college, and I'm like, man, I'm listening, I'm learning more stuff about real life stuff. Yeah in this podcast and I am going class. for these classes. Yeah. And uh, I literally got to one point, he just, there was a part in the podcast, he's like, too many of you, excuse my language, like 
too many fucking people need to understand that you're waiting for approval that's never going to come to do what it is you want to do. And if you need the approval, just go do it now. Yeah. So he's like, this is your approval. And I was like, like he's so right. I'm like, and in that moment, I literally, I walked in um, to, or I went up to uh, one of our local um, restaurants, Log Jam, and sat down, napkin I was going through. I'm like, I'm going to, we're going to build a, build a gym. And I called my buddy Tom. Oh, nice. And so you're really into fitness at this point already. At that point, I was, I just had gotten into CrossFit. Like okay. I, I started in like the bodybuilding side of things, did that cool. for a stint throughout college. Like I was a fat farm kid. I was a fluffy bunny boy. Oh dude, up, I was bro. 250 pounds three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Rocking it right now. That's yeah. freaking awesome, yeah. dude. 75 pounds I yeah. lost. Hell yeah. yeah. But how'd you primarily do it? Um, tracking everything I was eating. Yep. There you and go. CrossFit. Yep. And running. Yep. <laughs> but mainly tracking everything I was eating. I was literally just going to ask what do you think the most, like, because that's one of the big things now. Oh, yeah. Because I lost like, some weight and yeah. I was getting there. CrossFit was big because I fell into a slump. Yeah. Fitness-wise, I lost, like, 50 pounds. Yeah. And then I kind of gained back, like, 25 or 30 because I was going to slump. I was working by myself. I was just going in, like, you know, bench pressing, doing biceps yeah, and, yeah. like, jogging a mile or something. Yeah. You know, like, lame. And then I was like, dude, I need to get somewhere where they're like writing legit programming pushing me some community so that's yeah. why I joined CrossFit yeah. and then I started making some progress and then I started tracking everything I put in my mouth I mean it's very simple but just not easy yeah. you just have to be in deficit every single yeah. day for a long time Yeah, I was in deficit for like two years probably yeah dude that's <laughs> I, it's simple the the biggest piece is the discipline like yeah. the consistency on a day to day basis oh, yeah. like that's anyone and Andy had gone through it's funny because there's a lot of individuals even in the outdoor space that I've seen do like 75 hard or yeah. do that different program like Andy created that right. so this like CEO of first form went mm -hmm. through as the one who had started that piece okay and it's just manifested out to what it is today yeah um, and that's where from the CrossFit piece getting into that opening my gym with him jump forward sold my gym to my business business partner we just had different visions with yeah, it yeah. had that for about almost four years and then after that, I'd build really good relationships with the guys at First Form. Okay. So I would say like, Will saved my life, which is one of the, he's an executive at the company now, but he, uh, I was at a CrossFit competition and he cool. was there with First Form and you know, I had a hellacious workout. It was like this la full ladder workout with reverse all the way back through. Oh, yeah. and I had 30 inch box jumps, deadlifts, toes to bar, and I was just crushed. After I remember hitting the ground, like just, I usually, when I coach, I'm like, don't ever just lay down on the ground. It's you surrendering to the workout. Like you're giving up, yeah, right? Like get up, walk it off. I'm like, bro, I, w I was out. I did a workout like that a couple years ago. I was, I'm from Virginia Beach. So like, okay. a, like a lot of guys in my gym were like Navy SEALs and stuff. Yeah. And for whatever reason, we were doing like a hero wad one day and like the fittest dude in my gym, like a SEAL, I was like, he, he grabbed 50 pound dumbbells. And I was like, I'm grabbing 50 pound dumbbells. Yeah. And after that, I, yeah. I, I literally like was half conscious. I was on the ground like same oh. dude same thing you're like you just <laughs> saw red you made it to the end and you're like yes everything I had in the day oh yeah yep I've yep. been there yep so that's and people are like are you okay I know yeah like it's I mean it's it, it that's what I, I love about CrossFit and that community and everything there too is like having it to where you push the boundary still like it, it's not doing it with crazy weight like yeah. the CrossFit's and got you don't bad have to stuff. either like yeah. some people get intimidated yeah I'm like dude there are like chubby like 55 year old ladies Dude. in my CrossFit class. Kate, <laughs> like, Kate was 74 years old, and like when I first had her, she was she's a badass grandma. Yeah. Machine shed or the oh, CrossFit yeah. gym. She came in, it took her 
she drove around the block twice before she built up enough courage <laughs> to come in for like a first like yeah. conversation. And when I asked her, I said, what, why do you want to be here? Why do you want to do cro like CrossFit? She's like, Jake, I just want to be a badass for my grandkids. That's <laughs> it. I was like, Kate, you and I are going to be best friends. <laughs> like, this is it. That's awesome. But like, so Will, after, after that, that workout, this guy comes out of nowhere. He's like, dude. And I'm hearing, it's like almost like this euphoric, like, is it God? Like, yeah. is that you? Like, am I, is this me going yes, to the light? God. Yes, he's like, dude, that was awesome. Like, it looked, it was horrible, but that looked so awesome. Like, she's like, what do you need? Like, do you need a foam roller? And I'm thinking it's maybe like one of my, like one of the members of my gym. Like, not even my fiance is there. Like, he's like, foam roller. He's like, I got, we can do like post-workout. You need water, anything like that. And I was like, man, I, I'm just, help me up. And yeah. get up and go around he gets me a water and go over and here's will with first form and uh we just had a conversation going through he ended up giving me a post-workout and i tried loop de fruit which is like their post-workout the oh, protein yeah. formula one friggin i was like like ground up the cereal and put it into a shaker yeah. bottle <laughs> what, the, what is this shit? Yeah. and uh i just i was like i was blown away by the quality of that but even more so the people right yeah, he's yeah. like hey dude if you need anything just let us know right help out and that relationship afterwards you jump forward when i sold my gym he found out we had this oh, yeah. big this uh big gathering we do at at first form headquarters every year called summer smash it's like a big backyard barbecue mm -hmm. get together with anyone and everyone who ultimately wants to come out um and i came down to that right after i sold my gym and will's like man how's the gym going it's like i sold that yesterday <laughs> he's like what and one like from there it literally just led into uh one conversation a beer another conversation and he's like, man, you should just come down and work here. Like, nice. I was like, okay. uh, all right. <laughs> like, I was yeah. like, you serious? He's like, well, let's talk about it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later kind of thing. And then, um, you know, a month or so went by when I went back up home and sent me a text. Like, hey, you jump on the phone. And I was freaking covered in shingle dust and all that stuff, remodeling some uh -huh. things. And um, it, was, it was a cool, surreal thing from the conversation there. He's like, I know we talked about at, at Summer Smash about you coming out and working here. Um, and we were kind of joking, but like, what do you actually think about doing it? I was like, yeah. I definitely would, I would, I never thought I'd work for a company again. Like yeah. I was always just the entrepreneurship side of things. I, I'd been in the corporate side of things. There was one company and group of people that I would literally kind of take a bet on in that would be those guys. Okay. And uh, from there, I talked to my fiance. I was like, you'll never believe what kind of happened. Yeah. And I was like, well, Will asked me if I wanted to work at headquarters and nice. come down, move down. She's like, when? It's like, well, three months, four months from now, we just got engaged. Okay. Like, we just signed, like, for a Was writing it a big venue. Move or? Yeah, I mean, from Wisconsin to St. Louis. We had, right. I just bought that, du like, we bought a house we were modeling into, oh, like, a duplex. Okay. I said, give me three months reset. to redo everything. Yeah. And she said, well, I guess you're, you're taking the job or I'm going to break up with you. I was like... <laughs> That that makes there's easy. another story to all that, but we'd be here a lot longer. She did yeah. the same. I did the same thing to her a few okay. years prior to okay. that, and uh, it was just—it's a cool scenario to where now I've been with with them at headquarters, the entire crew there for about going to be just just over four years now. Nice man. And uh, yeah, it's cool awesome. how like the best kind of professional relationships happen like that, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, what do you, what's your job title now there? So I'm a legionnaire coach. Within okay. our, within, within the base, yeah, exactly, exactly. 
So I work with a bunch of external reps within the company. Okay. So anyone, like anyone who ultimately was wanting to go through and represent the brand, else like sell the products, things of that nature, yeah. uh, we have a direct to consumer okay. side of things with that. We don't. It, it's very different. I know everyone says that than a lot of different companies that are out there. Is like we're very centered on education. Yeah. So I coach individuals all across the country on really working on how to coach other people and gotcha. help them through their journey. Because I don't, we're not here to shove shit down people's throats right. and we're not going to go through and try and uh, just a one-time sale on something. We actually want to yeah. get people results where it's like, dude, going through, like hearing what you're, you went through, Yeah, that's what we want to be able to create. Like yes. that's, I, I think about that. True like, like life people, transformation. Dude, it's yeah. too many people and I think about it and a lot of it ties right back into my family friend like friends that to where it's like I've watched my mom and aunts and all these people go through these different fad diets and yep. the, the quick quick fix got your money and then never hear from you again kind of thing mm -hmm. like it completely honest it pisses me off yeah a lot but we're just gonna be better than that so um was first form like did they start are you guys trying to kind of step up your presence in the outdoor space or has it always been part of first form no yeah so it's literally step up the presence okay. like Andy and Sal the the their two brothers president and CEO of the company like there's South County boys dirt road from Missouri and it's a really cool like I'd listen to like the MSCO project or real AF like you get go deeper in those podcasts Andy and those yeah. guys ultimately kind of talk about the whole journey of first form but um, it, it started with a couple brothers or really Chris and Andy two buddies in high school started started their business up mm -hmm. And from there, they saw the stuff they didn't like in the in the fitness industry. So it started in like the bodybuilding, and then it got into just overall fitness. And then you get in the older years, like where people are like now big gym, which is like the Wrangler at headquarters, like Andy and Sal's dad are there at HQ. Um, to where really it's about how do we elongate the overall lifespan and help people just live a more active, fit lifestyle, yeah. be better humans. For me, like. I came into it to where the coaching, like Legionnaire coach pieces, I I looked at that and saw my dad, uncles, and family members. Mm -hmm. Where if you went to First Form's website right now, like if anyone even listening went on there, looked at it, probably in the outdoor space wouldn't make a ton of connections. Yeah. Right. Just because it seems like a bodybuilding brand. Right. When in reality is like the entire company is so largely vested in people mm -hmm. that it's really a lifestyle brand and that's the biggest piece is like it doesn't matter what you love to do in that area yeah it might have started in the, the fitness piece to where for me starting first form outdoors like i literally i wanted to create a, a platform you started and a first form yeah. outdoors yeah so i started nice. first form outdoors yeah when? so would have been just over year and a half ago going on two years so then you're basically reaching out to guys like dan and different influencers in the space to talk Just to them about relationships yeah. like cool. trying to figure out where like where can we do better mm -hmm. like and, and the whole purpose of first from outdoors is like it's to live a more healthy active fit lifestyle experience more of the outdoors are you guys gonna right? think move into the 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 space hard like full-on like you know with like trail packs and like really start hitting after backcountry hunters and stuff there's definitely conversations that I have uh, along the way. The big piece is like, the it, it comes down to people, right? Like my big thing is like, I went through and I started it without telling anyone. So I, I literally did. No one I gave like, you permission. No, no. I literally, I went through, started with an Instagram page. I had it, started First Form Outdoors. 
I remember hitting send. I was like, well, now you can't go back. <laughs> like, or else you're just, yep. you're, you're, you're a hit it and quit it kind of thing. Yeah. And um, from there, went forward. Uh, about two days later, I got confronted by one of the execs of the company. Confronted. And it was, <laughs> I'll never forget it. Ryan, Ryan Riggle comes up and uh, he was like, my boss is boss kind of thing. And he's like, hey, did you start First Form Outdoors? He's like, yep. He's like, with, <laughs> with a purpose yeah. kind of thing? I was like, yep. He's like, all right. And just turned away and walked away. I was like, whoa. All right. I like, get up. I was like, all right. I walked into his office. I'm like, is everything okay? He's yeah. like, good. He's like, yep. Uh, Facebook just contacted us and wanted to know if it was like a legit thing oh, or not. Okay. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Because like, I mean, it is a, it is a somewhat of a line in the sand. I mean, when you, when you say, okay, we're going to align ourselves outdoor industry, you know, there's a certain crowd that you disalign yourself with just instantaneously. Well, and that's the, the big, that's where I would challenge it. Like that's my, my big piece. And it'll always be, I'm not, not going to make everyone happy. Of course. Right. But within the entire ecosystem of first form, because we have a lot of people on the outside who don't know hunting. They don't yeah. understand it. They yeah. don't get it. Well, it's kind of cool the crossover you're starting exactly. to see. I mean, you see like Cam Haynes on Mind Pump podcast mm -hmm. yep. and stuff like that, you know, yep. and, uh, and guys like Dan and I mean, such a huge part of my life transformation and fitness. And the reason I was able to keep that discipline up was because I had a hunt booked in Alaska with my buddy who's ex-Navy Special Warfare. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I have to train my butt off or I'm gonna die. Yeah, well it's not, and that's, that's where I look at it like- Having a goal I, is big. Dude, 100%. Yeah. My, my dad, when we used to go, when we were younger in that, it's like three weeks out and all of a sudden be like, all right, gotta get ready for hunting season. Yeah. And we go out and all right, start running If you're just training trail. just to train, like, dude, you'll lose steam quick. Yeah, and it's, it always, it would always hurt. It always sucked to where it's like, if, if in the outdoor side of it is, the, the products we use, like and I'll always go through and talk about is like, it's whole foods first. At the end of the day, track, track your food. Hit it, like supplements are tools. And that's the big piece is like, they're yeah. nothing more than to fill gaps in, in where maybe we are struggling, right? Yeah. And dude, I've been eating restaurant food piece. for like way too long, dude. <laughs> so I'm kind of scared about this workout tomorrow. Hey, it'll be good. <laughs> We're gonna have some fun with it. I think so. That's. Uh, are you guys gonna go full on like hunting no bro idea. macho and kill I each other, no or like is it gonna going be okay? On. I don't know. Dan, Dan is going through and like playing like he's like, uh, so how much you squatting right now, or like what was your heaviest? Squat? Oh, Dan's writing it. Oh, I don't know if he's writing. I don't uh, know who's writing it. He's just like picking picking things out. It's like just, Dan. You've seen some of like the, the best of the best of like what I've had yeah. kind of thing. Easy. Yeah. I so. have done a CrossFit workout with Brian Call. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was at his place working, doing some work with him last year and it was during the open. Yeah. And I was like, hey, let's go. Yeah. And like we went and uh, it was definitely different doing it at 5,000 feet when I'm used to zero feet. Yeah. Elevation. Oh, yeah. 5,000 is not bit. much, but I mean, it, you still, can tell the difference. Oh, yeah. 100%. That was like when I was... I went from literally Wisconsin, moved down to St. Louis. Yeah. The humidity. Oh, in that. yeah. I did a workout and I was like, I could almost black out with all the humidity side of things yeah. to it. Yeah, it was, it was rough. So. Well, dude, um, I want to continue talking more. I got another podcast lined yeah. up, but I want to give people just kind of like a, I want to get to know you a little bit. Just yeah. give a little intro. Maybe we could um, link up down the road and do like a full, you know, a yeah. full podcast. No, that'd be awesome. But, um, um, I'm glad you guys are. I'm glad you took that initiative to like step into the outdoor industry. It's it's cool to see, and I hope you guys do really well. So, where can people like find First Form if they or you if they want to find yeah, out more stuff? Yeah, that they can 
I mean, definitely find me at uh, Jake from First Form, right? Yeah. Normally blue jeans, not khakis, which is funny because I'm wearing more of like a khaki color yeah. today. And I was like, shit, I'm gonna get shit for that. Um, Jake, Jake from First Form, uh, First Form Outdoors on Instagram, and then uh, First Form Outdoors on Facebook, and we do have like our private Facebook group, which is like really just the community on the back side of it to where showing more behind the scenes stuff, different contests, things yeah. that we're ultimately gonna have cool, come up. Cool, man. So, yep. It's great talking to you a little bit, dude. Hell yeah. Hope to connect again it. in the future, yeah. Hell yeah, I'm down for it. Thanks, brother. Thank you.